Yes, hello my friends and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris, his name is Hayden Winks. You know how the show starts, Hayden. Typically ask you maybe a question just to buy a little time. Uh, you did that job for me earlier today. You want to talk about this Spotify unwrap thing that everyone is bringing up here over the last few days? Why? You're going to try to embarrass me on my own show? Well, I think unlike TV shows and your favorite sports team, I feel like there's like something more personable about music and there's no oh. getting away with how you feel over the last year than when Spotify wrapped just hit you right upside the head with your most listened to songs. There was a couple years ago where my most listened to songs were all from like Lil Peep, and and mac mac miller like these people like very sad boy music a couple years ago <laughs> and was this during your blurbing hours sad boy blurber <laughs> literally this was blurbing hours in a very small apartment uh that didn't get too much sunlight but now i'm on the come up and i had a very happy playlist oh uh basically it's like two different versions you have like some of the hip-hop stuff that i like i like baby keem he was my number two number one was like the chain smokers heavily influenced by them being uh investors into underdog uh but yeah those were my top two i was curious what right you listened did, to did this happy period start i don't know around second week in april when i pulled you from the depths of a media conglomerate and said you know what hayden winks we're going to get you a fancy camera a new microphone this week and you're going to start working with your dear friend josh norris all over again was that had anything to do with it yeah, maybe it could be, or it was, could be getting married, or you no, know, setting no. up the bachelor weekend and all nope. that stuff. It no. could, oh, maybe it was Lincoln Riley coming to USC and getting all these five stars <laughs> to flip from Oklahoma to USC. I think that's what it actually was. Uh, you know how people ask like the question, like, or or what is like your one serial killer trait? Like how, like the weirdest thing about you? My music is that. Well, specifically, my is it Spotify Wrapped. That's what it's yeah. called. I don't even look at it because pre-roommate Josh Norris would listen to the same 10 songs every single night to go to sleep to. Right. Uh, it's like a lucid dream type situation where I would put the first one on and usually fall asleep by the fourth or fifth one. So that only 10 song playlist destroys everything oh, yeah. else on my Spotify playlist. So like I can't get a gauge of like even music that I like at the end of the year, because those songs just replay over and over and over and over again. Just so the chat knows, I once asked Josh what his favorite type of music was. And it was like lo elevator, lo-fi beats, lo beats. <laughs> <laughs> elevator music, Josh's favorite type of music. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. Ridiculous. Uh, your, your comment about what it says about people music. Uh, I'm, I'm now scared. I'm yes. now scared. For what the people yep. think about me. All right, everyone. Yeah, Josh equals Dexter. Something like that, Gavin. I think the show came back just recently. I think it did. I, I stopped watching at the part where he and his sister got involved in a relationship. I think that's what happened, unless I made that up in my head. All right. As you all know, we'll get to it. This is our game-by-game -game preview show. In the chat, you do a lovely job of answering each other's questions, start sits throughout the show. We'll also be here on Sunday morning to do just that and weave in some game preview and some news items for injuries along the way. As always, if you have never tried out Underdog Fantasy, now is the perfect time to do it. We have Battle Royales. We also have playoff best ball on the roster 
right now. We even have a sophomores and juniors game. If you're looking ahead to 2022 already, it's your first time deposit. We match it. So if you put in 20 bucks, you get 20 bucks, 50, we give you 50 as well. Just use promo code, the show. If you've always thought about trying it, underdog I'm talking about now is the perfect weekend to do it. So go and download the app or go on desktop. Here we go. Appreciate you, Zach. Zach is a longtime listener among many, many years. All right. Let's start off, Hayden, with the one o'clock window. And as you know, you can check out Hayden's work over at underblog.underdogfantasy.com. A little different this time, Hayden, because you went in the vein delivery via quarterbacks. But we'll start off with the one o'clock window. And that means the only game that I really care about, the Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals three-point favorites here on the road. Excuse me, at home. 28 carries for 165 yards and two scores for Joe Mixon last week against the Steelers, Hayden. Now he gets the Chargers, who are allowing 145 per game, most in the NFL. So I bring that up about Joe Mixon, but I also want to say this about Austin Eckler. Because the Bengals have also allowed the most targets to running backs in the NFL. So we talk about, you know, the wide receivers in this pairing, the quarterbacks in this pairing. Maybe we get, though, a little running back on running back matchup here on Sunday. Yeah, I can totally see it. Austin Eckler and Joe Mixon, in my opinion, have been two of the top five best running backs in the NFL on tape. And they're just, they win in both phases. And I know Joe Mixon last week played basically every single snap in the first half. And he's just running like a man possessed on the other side of the ball. Obviously the same thing with Austin Eckler. So many of these plays for the Chargers are just angle routes, these Texas routes, option routes to Austin Eckler. And it's one of the most bankable plays in the NFL, they had uh, one last week where they ran it. It barely went incomplete. I think the very next play, they ran the exact same concept. This time, it went for a touchdown. So that's how reliant both of these teams are on their running backs. It just is in totally different ways. Obviously, with Eckler, as a pass catcher, Joe Mixon sometimes can do that, but a lot of the times, and I think especially this week, this will be one of the big storylines is Joe Mixon running between the tackles, and that's that'll be the the blueprint for how the Bengals are going to attack the Chargers. We are not allowed to do Joe Mixon as the Benji of the week, correct? That's too much of a layup here. Is that possible? If you if you want to do it, you can. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll save one for for a better one later. I mean, what what they are able to do now, and I mentioned this on other shows, like they lack superstars along the offensive line, but good coaching, it, they're able to create seams and gaps. And Joe Mixon, like once he gets to the first and second level, he's he's unbelievable lately. And then on defense. You know, this Chargers team offensively, if you pressure Justin Herbert, I'm not saying like he cowers like we see other quarterbacks around the league, but the pressures can get so significant at guard spots and tackle spots that they can turn in instant sacks. Like they are right off the snap at times. And then I think, in fact, his offensive coordinator and Joe Lombardi kind of turns in, into a shell and into a turtle a little bit. And I, again, I'm not going to put a lot of that on Justin Herbert, but like, this past week also, it was 14 to seven. And he throws an, you know, an end zone interception. Like these minor little miscues derail this Chargers team that like for long stretches looks awesome. Like Justin Herbert still is making unbelievable throws. But at like the most inopportune times, the pass rush gets home or an interception happens. And I think, I really do think the Bengals have enough 
pieces, again, lacking in superstars, but good pieces and coached well to give the Chargers team a lot of fits, even though across the the football landscape, I see a, a lot of people on the Chargers plus three. So I'm one of those people. They're actually my underdog of the week. There you and go. It wasn't, this wasn't an, uh, like one I feel super confident in, but I think there's a couple of things that are working against the Bengals here. Number one, they've had the easiest strength of schedule by far in the NFL through 12 games. And the Chargers have had one of the top five, top six hardest strengths of schedule. So I think that's kind of skewing some of the numbers. If you just look at EPA per play, the Chargers are still better offensively than the Bengals. And I think there's a couple notes inside the trenches that I'm keeping track of. Number one, for, uh, Matt Filer got in a limited practice for left guard for the Chargers. The backup left guard last week for the Chargers was horrendous. Getting him back at least will give you that left tackle, left guard, center combination that's really strong. For the Chargers and the other side of the ball for the Bengals, their center, Trey Hopkins, hasn't practiced yet. Uh, their right tackle, Riley Reef, he hasn't practiced yet this week. They expect them to play, but if even if they do play, they're gonna either going to be banged up or they could be out. So I think those like little minor details start to matter, and I didn't really love the other underdogs of the week, so I'm rolling hmm. with the Chargers. Let me throw a few things at you. The Bengals in their last few games over a 24-point-per-game average margin of victory in their last four wins. Um, the Chargers have allowed 24-plus points and 300-plus total yards in seven straight games this season. Like, I know that at times we we talk about run defense and pass defense and every – I mean, the Chargers are just the worst right now. When you watch them, they, they can't yep. do anything right. They, they are absolutely totally lost. And while we talk about pace and, you know, what we wish the Bengals were a bit more often, they are absolutely good enough to shred this Chargers team like everyone is doing right now. In fact, they're in a much better position than a lot of other teams that have shredded them were in. So what gives you, I, I know you just outlined it a little bit more, but do you think like Brandon Staley has, can do enough with the pieces he has right now to like, what is the avenue for them to shut down this Bengals offense potentially? Not shut down, but slow them yeah. down, I guess is the major way of doing, saying it. I don't think like I, I have Joe Mixon ranked second among my running backs. Like I, this isn't like an anti Joe Mixon thing. I think the Bengals are going to be able to move the ball, but I do think that the Chargers defense, the one thing that they do do, and it, this is still shown out in the stats is the explosive pass play. And if you're going to limit Jamar Chase and T Higgins on these one-on-one uh, -on -one routes down the field, I think that's a slight win. Make Joe Mixon beat you, which I think he will. Um, but I think that it's more on the opposite side of the ball. I just think that the Bengals don't do anything really special defensively. Yeah. Like they're, they're like 23rd in blitz rate. Uh, they're eighth in, in zone defense. It's kind of just a vanilla defense. They're, they've been playing pretty well, but once again, it's the, the soft strength of the schedule, and they don't do anything on paper that's given the Chargers any trouble. Like There was those like really blitz-heavy man weeks against the Ravens and the Patriots. That's not what we should expect here, and it's not like this uh, Vic Fangio defense that we just uh, saw last week. It's kind of in between the two, and I think that there should be enough with basically the Chargers – offense uh at full health outside of right guard right tackle some potential weather issues in this game too so that's something to watch for all right we spent a bunch of time on that game want to remind you that the titans the panthers the browns and the packers are all on their bye weeks again we spent a lot of time on game one because to be honest with all of you and i always am the rest of the one o'clock slate is absolutely miserable but we move on the 11 point favorite Buccaneers on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. One of, I think, two games with a total of 50 and a half. That's why we're starting here, at least early on. Um, 
look, the Bucs produce the most fantasy points of any team in the league. Aiden, they're favored by 11. Again, a total of 50. You have to start everyone here, even if they don't hit. Correct? Yeah, it's simple. You're starting Tom Brady, Mike yep. Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, and Fournette. Easy peasy. I have all of them ranked in the top 10 at their respective positions, and they're all going to smack. I mean, it's not just the points. They're also top 10 in plays per minute as well. So, like, this team's just absolutely ridiculous, and this matchup couldn't get any softer. I think particularly for, like, Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette, but even, even Mike Evans can take control over AJ Terrell in this matchup, too. I, I was shocked to, to read that the Falcons have not allowed a 100-yard rusher since week 17 of the 2019 season, which, you know, thinking about their defense, that that absolutely stunned me. Also, Kyle Pitts still leads all tight ends, I believe, in 15-plus-yard catches this season. He's still that team's number one receiver in terms of production, despite doing very, very little in the past few weeks. It can be difficult to gauge, and, you know, we talk about this on the the power ranking show that we did on Sunday, and we'll do again this Sunday. Um, the Falcons' record is shockingly average considering our belief in them, but at least in this game, you're going to have Cordell Patterson another week after coming back from his injury um, and didn't really slow him down last week. I just hope that they can get Cal Pitts going a little bit more, but it's also coinciding with the Buccaneers getting healthier and healthier and healthier defensively. And we know that Matt Ryan under pressure this season has been a totally different quarterback than when he's had clean pocket situations. And that's when he's had, you know, good to solid games. He's also been a totally different quarterback with Cordero Patterson on the field versus off of it. When CPAT's on the field, he's averaging 0.24 EPA per pass attempt. Without him, that goes to negative 0.35. That is about as drastic as a split as you'll see ever. Like I can be, we can be doing this podcast for 10 years and we might not see a bankable split as large mm. as that. That's, that's how important CPAT is. And it's not just when he's touching the ball, it's just like getting everyone going a little bit. Um, there was a little bit of a different usage with CPAT though, I think that we need to go over. Um, especially against the Bucks run defenses, CPAT was more or less used as a early down running back. In fact, Mike Davis was playing on the third and longs and in the two minute drill and CPAT was mostly used in the backfield. He's not getting as many slot and out wide snaps. So I wanted to move him down a couple spots just because if he's going to be running between the tackles, we know historically against the Bucks, especially with Vita Vea healthy, how difficult that that can be, but he's still the focal point of the offense. He's still a top right. ten running back. Um, but it was they're using him a little bit differently, not not so much as the the wide receiver, but more of like a pure running back. I, I wouldn't be shocked though if Arthur Smith says we're going to do the opposite against the Bucks because of the Bucks strengths and yep. where 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 they can be susceptible to to yards and and production. Just looking at Tom Brady's stats while you were talking, um, I know you have him ranked incredibly high, number two quarterback, I think, or number one, one of the number two. one, number one. It makes sense. And I think a lot of people are going to be off him because, you know, he's had like two passing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and one passing touchdown in each of his last performances. Um, just very different, you know, the three touchdowns he was averaging before that. And then obviously dating back to the bye week last year. So just going against, you know, that recent perception of him and the total in this game, uh, Tom Brady is is one that I would, there you go, that I would absolutely be looking at for this weekend and build around that for sure. Can we talk about Antonio Brown for a second? Yeah, we need to. Antonio Brown is going to be suspended until week 16. Antonio Brown has also had some very weird uh, injury lack of updates, Yep, I guess is the best way of putting it. So it didn't even sound like he was going to be in line to play this week. But Hayden, 
they would be smart to do that to say like, oh, he was going to play so he can start his suspension now for a faked vaccination card along with two other players on on that team, including safety Mike Edwards. So in my opinion, this is worse than the Aaron Rodgers stuff by a whole oh, lot yeah. because no one knew about this. At least with Aaron Rodgers, everybody inside in the, the facility you know. at yeah. least knew about this. So he was like kind of like BSing to the media, but like really that only has so many uh, complications. This like this could have gone really bad. If he would have contracted COVID and spread it to the team and the team didn't know about this, that is horrendous. So I was kind of surprised this was only a three-game suspension. I mean, there's, this is literally a, a criminal Yeah case if they wanted to, to make it one so uh yeah more a b nonsense but i think for right now like they have gronk as the third weapon and he's looked incredible so it doesn't really matter to tom brady all that much and they'll get him right for the playoffs and like the three games suspended doesn't really matter because we know the bucks are going to be in the playoffs and this is just buying him more time to come off this ankle injury anyways but but then the crazy part is as soon as he comes back in week 16 you know tom brady's going to want to give him the football because he oh, and yeah. tom are absolutely and so if you're drafting for playoff best ball and you see Antonio Brown's ADP dropping, hate I hate to always give this perspective of it, but that's an investment to make. At the end of the day, we are still fantasy football <laughs> analysts. So yeah, draft AB and best ball. All right. Arizona Cardinals are seven and a half point road favorites against Chicago Bears. Total of 45 and a half in this game. Our headliner for this show Kyler Murray is back in our lives after three games and also DeAndre Hopkins. Hayden, I think the two questions are one, will Kyler be able to add extra yardage and fancy points with his legs after this injury? And two, James Conner should be or not be ranked inside of, I don't know, the top 10, even the top five ahead of other bigger names. Cause we've yet to see, the potential that he could reach in an offense that's been led by Kyler Murray as the lead back. So, so far it seems like Kyler Murray's trending towards playing and I'm guess DeAndre Hopkins is as well. And I think that Kyler's had enough time to at least be pretty effective and getting that bye week certainly came at the right time. As for the other question, I have James Conner uh, ranked as my RB five coming off a season high 23 and a half uh, expected half PPR points. Uh, Chase Edmonds still is on injured reserve and I'm actually going to go, uh, James Conner is my Benji of the week here. And I think that the biggest reason is if you just look at the splits with the Bears right now, it is pretty drastic. Akeem Hicks still hasn't practiced. He historically has been a huge uh, run stuffing defensive tackle. And then since the Khalil Mack injury, uh, the defense has been 0.23 EPA per play worse with him off the field. So they're missing their two best defense. Uh, defensive lineman and then Roquan Smith, a linebacker, he hasn't practiced this week either. So yeah. we're getting potentially a, a little bit less limited Kyler Murray against a team that they're going to have a, a lead against and their entire front seven is all banged up. Like sign me up for James Conner. There's only a couple of guys you can even start over. Him. Yeah, I think Vegas would have a really tough time putting a a line on this game because of the games that Kyler has missed and because of, you know, the changes in this team since then. But what stands out to me is that the Cardinals are six, no on the road this season. And each win is by 10 plus points. This game's only a seven and a half point spread. And you throw in the fact that Chicago has averaged 169.8 passing yards per game this season. Hayden, that is the lowest for any team since the 2018 season. Yeah. We are seeing history here recent history, but history for how bad this passing unit is for the bears. And we talk about it every single week. Their implied point total is miserable. Now, at least the bears were watchable when we could isolate certain players, 
Like we could isolate Khalil Herbert there for stretches because that was like a surprisingly fun rookie. We could isolate Justin Fields and see his development because in those really those final two-ish, three-ish starts, he was starting to string drives together that you could like really, really build on. Now, I don't want to watch them at all, have no interest in it. And the only one is, you know, Darnell Mooney shot plays down the field and that's it. Yeah, so I think it, it is just uh, Darnell Mooney and it seems like Allen Robinson's not going to play. And we've seen kind of a little shift in the Bears offense when Andy Dalton's out there. Obviously, he throws the ball way less downfield. And Darnell Mooney, he's just been like his eight outs kind of dropped. He can still get a big play. But all of a sudden, he's top 20 in fantasy usage, top 10 in scoring over the last month, just because he's not a low volume player anymore. He's actually getting peppered with targets because they can't throw the ball to anybody else. So Everything's kind of looking up for Darnell Mooney, getting a home game, fast paced offense. It's going to be putting up a lot of points. and like, I hate to say it, but Andy Dalton's just been better than Justin Fields this year. It's like their EPA per play is not even close. Even if you uh, take out some of these big plays on screens that that Andy Dalton's been uh, the beneficiary of, the EPA per play is not even close. And it's just Andy Dalton's at least willing to throw the ball underneath and just try to move the chains a little bit, not always go big play hunting. And Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet are the two biggest beneficiaries of that offense. Yeah, still so impressed by Cliff Kingsbury and, and this Cardinals team we can go and win two out of three games without your starter, who's one of the biggest difference makers, and no one plays the position like him in, in the NFL. And with how many teams are letting us down once they get crowned, especially in the NFC, uh, the Cardinals are still, in, still sitting there as like the number one seed. And it's like we don't even care because they just haven't been exciting, really, over the last three weeks. And this, I can totally see it being the game on Sunday that gets us back on board, especially when you consider that this is the number three defense in the NFL according to DVOA. And that's not even talking about the offensive pieces that they have. Um, quickly, I also want to throw in Christian Kirk's name because we're really going to see Christian Kirk back in like his natural habitat of an interior slot wide receiver because hopefully DeAndre Hopkins plays on the left side. That means A.J. Green on the right side. And Christian Kirk has had his best games this season. So that's another player who might not have like the situation he's had in the last few weeks, but that pay off in a big way, in a good way on Sunday as well. So it's been a while, but uh, expected half PPR points with Kyler Murray. Uh, AJ Green had 8.1, Christian Kirk 7.9, Rondell Moore 6.8. I do want to know there was a slight little change with AJ Green's usage the last couple of weeks where he's been running around on like 70% of the snaps, which is, I don't know if that was a product of DeAndre Hopkins playing. They were getting the Anton Wesley onto the field more. So there could be something to this where all of a sudden maybe. Uh, Rondell Moore plays a little bit more at AJ Green's expense and putting Christian Kirk on the outside. We'll see. We haven't seen this offense at full capacity in a little bit, but I wouldn't be that surprised. So I have Christian Kirk all the way up to my wide receiver 33, and I dropped AJ Green down to like in the wide receiver 40s just because I'm a little bit concerned that they might change the offense just a little bit. Yeah. My, my memory might be fuzzy, but I also think they had some multiple tight end sets and just one wide receiver on the field in some situations. And and so I think like that was Christian Kirk or Wesley and not AJ Green out there. So that might have yeah. flipped that just a little bit. All right. Next game in this brutal one o'clock slate. The seven point favorite Vikings are on the road against the Detroit Lions, a total of 46 and a half in this game. Yes, our favorite thing in fantasy football. We get two backup running backs, the Alexander Madison and Jamal Williams game. But I think that those I'll say tentpole players for week 13 here, Hayden, might overshadow what we could get from Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson, who's the number four or five 
wide receiver in fantasy football. And then Adam Thielen, who in a points per game basis and half point PPR is the number seven overall wide receiver this season. I bet if we looked at weekly rankings, Adam Thielen was probably 10 to 15 spots too low literally every single week. So I made him yeah. uh, inside my top 10. Obviously, the Lions defense is completely disastrous, dead last in sack rate and passing EPA. So, yep, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen should go off. Same thing with Alexander Madison. It's the most basic offense to cover for, for fantasy purposes. Um, just because it's so just going through the same four or five players. I think that the big question here is just for Jamal Williams. I have him as a pretty solid RB2. I think that he's my RB15 overall right now. And the reason for that is after DeAndre Swift got hurt last week and Jamar Jefferson and those guys were out there, he played like 73% of the snaps. He got almost every single running back touch. So I think that uh, Jamar or not Jamar Jefferson is probably not going to eat into his role very much. I think that this will be a pretty heavy Jamal Williams game, even if the matchup and the offense, all that stuff's so bad. This is yeah. still an offense that revolves around the running back. And even if it's not the same skill set, I still think they're just nowhere else to go with the ball. And they made Jamal Williams a priority in the offseason. They made him a priority in the uh, early parts of the season. Now that he's healthy again, I think they'll just go right into him again. Yeah. And when Dan Campbell took over as the play caller a couple of games ago, they fed the running back in terms of on-ground rushing game production, you know? Um, different points of the season, DeAndre Swift has gotten there, as we talked about in the usage show, in the receiving game. He was breaking a ton of tackles and, and creating explosive plays there. That is not Jamal Williams' game at all, is receiving explosiveness and big plays just in total. DeAndre Swift has far more of those. So I would say if Jamar Williams is going to get there and, and be somehow a top 12 scoring running back this week, it would be in the basis of, I don't know, 25 carries for, you know, 120 yards and, and a touchdown or two. Like that is potential, especially when you consider Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson, who've been out here for the Vikings um, are coming back, but they're, they're slowly progressing during practice and kind of being on limited snaps. So I would much rather side with like the, Hey, Deandre Swift is just an unreal talent in the opportunities that he was getting. And few running backs could create the same production in that same way. But that doesn't mean I'm not starting Jamal Williams. I just think the ceiling is drastically different between the two. Yeah. Just if you take the lead back for the lions every single week, they're averaging 15.8 uh, half PPR points per game. So even if you discounted two points, just because Jamal Williams isn't as good, like you're still, that's like right in the RB2 discussion. And yeah, getting those those uh, defensive tackles back is huge, but they're still missing Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, and still dead last in rushing EPA. So um, we'll see. It's just kind of a bet on volume. Like the Lions just have to give him the ball. A quick thought on the line and maybe even the total here. I mean, 10 of the 11 games for the Vikings this season have been decided by one possession. Uh the Lions have scored fewer than 20 points in 10 straight games. <laughs> Damn. Fewer, fewer than 20 points in 10 straight games. That is absolutely nuts. And what is their team total? It's probably around 20. It, it, it's 19, 19 three quarters. Okay. If you see it anywhere over that 20 point mark, I'd go the under on the team total. Yeah. I, even if the Vikings, and as we've seen, they've been decimated by injuries, especially with those edge rushers on the outside. But Mike Zimmer is good enough to at least confuse confuse Jared Goff and rotate safeties like he was doing against Jimmy Garoppolo last week, too. All right. Yep. Here we go. We'll keep rolling.
Philadelphia Eagles are six and a half point favorites on the road against the New York Jets. Total of 45. I think back-to-back weeks here for Philly in the same stadium in New Jersey. Not called the Meadowlands. Uh, it was an awful performance from Jalen Hurts last week. I don't know if you got to watch it, Hayden. But the three interceptions that Jalen Hurts threw, typically you see those multi-interception games happen for quarterbacks when they're facing a whole bunch of pressure, when they're facing dis- disruption. It was the opposite for, for Jalen Hurts. It's when he was given clean situations. It's when he was asked to hold the ball for four, five, six, seven seconds at times. And then he was just making awful decisions and inaccurate throws. So the Giants are probably more equipped to do that than the Jets. But we had seen the Eagles, you know, create this environment for this offense to really succeed in. And the Giants totally took them out of that last week. But as we know, it's going to be really difficult for the Jets to do that based on their personnel. Yeah, they stink. So as long as Jalen Hurts is <laughs> healthy enough to play, then we're starting as a quarterback one. Yeah, he, he definitely that was probably his worst game in a while. Because, I mean, a couple of those were just like the free safety, just hanging out in the middle of the field and just throw it right at him. So that's uh, inexcusable. Um, Devonta Smith, if you want to to go there, certainly a better matchup uh, this week than it has been in the the past. I think that it's the running back questions. We'll figure out if Miles Sanders is going to be healthy. If he is healthy, I still am pretty confident that it's going to be him. He was getting the majority of the touches before he had that ankle injury, and obviously the Jets have just been a stone-cold disaster against the run, 29th in rushing EPA, uh, dead last against fantasy running backs. So um, you're starting whoever is the starter for the Eagles. I'm guessing it's going to be Miles Sanders, and I even slid in Boston Scott into my uh, top 30 running backs just because they've been so running back heavy, and he's the clear number two if Miles Sanders is out. Yeah, Miles Sanders with his ankle injury said he, quote, plans on playing in Week 13. The Jets... You mentioned their EPA run defense. I'll just give you basic raw stats. They've allowed 20 rushing touchdowns this season. Uh, I mean, that is easily the that most in the NFL. Um, a couple of injuries on the Jets side, too. And I know you want to talk about Zach Wilson's game. Corey Davis, with his groin injury, remains side, sidelined for Thursday's practice. I actually loved how they force-fed Elijah Moore in situations because Zach Wilson was not doing that good of a job of getting him the ball. They had one jet sweep handoff. They had one push pass behind the line of scrimmage too. They had another uh, end zone or, or red zone situation that should have been a target. It was basically an ISO whip route for him that he failed to get separation near the goal line. So more and more, all of that tells me that at least the play caller understands that Elijah Moore is going to be their most explosive player on offense. And they are trying to figure out more and more ways to rely on him and lean on him as we go along. Yep, some design stuff uh, in the backfield. He had a pretty bad game just in general. That whip route, he stumbled out of the block. I think that Zach Wilson still should have th- threw it. I think that that's one of the storylines is Zach Wilson does not want to throw the ball unless it's an open receiver, probably because he was used to that at BYU. Well, you're not going to get that. And there was a couple plays where Eli, uh, Elijah Moore, he was like running slant routes. and he, I thought he kind of took it upfield too much and did not give Zach Wilson an actual throwing window. Um, but I think like the big thing, and I, I posted a clip about this is just Zach Wilson against pressure. There was this one play where Braxton Barrios has this, uh, this wide open ball right over the middle. And if you notice, I'm going to zoom in here in a second is Zach Wilson, instead of just throwing this ball wide open, he actually looks to see where the pressure is, even though Braxton Barrios is wide open, right here. See how he peeks over. And then when he comes back to the middle of the field, the ball just sails the window. On. 
So he's late. He's not trusting himself. And I think he's getting used to playing with pressure. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to get any better this year. We have to hope that Elijah Moore is just going to continue to get these scheme touches and hopefully their chemistry just gets ironed out. But it was another really bad game for Zach Wilson. Yeah. And an underdog, this might be the lowest passing yards prop of the weekend. 201 and a half passing yards for Zach Wilson. And I understand it from the Eagles perspective because you can get some pass rushers to disrupt him. I mean, especially against a quarterback who who doesn't like pressure. The one I'd be continuing to look at, though, is Elijah Moore when that one pops up there this weekend. I think last weekend it was around 54 and a half receiving yards. If my memory serves me correctly. Uh, so it should be around there. The same thing this weekend. I will say Elijah Moore is going to be facing Darius Slay and yeah. Eagles are number three against fantasy receivers this year. And I think that's where PFF also ranks Darius Slay individually um, in their coverage grade. So Elijah Moore has not been playing the slot. Uh, he's playing in two wide receiver sets on the perimeter and even in three wide receiver sets, that's Jameson Crowder. So he's going to be seeing a lot of Darius Slay. So it's going to be a, a pretty tough matchup for Elijah Moore. But I think that getting those scheme touches is enough at least to get him in that low-end wide receiver three flex consideration. Move from one trash game to another trash game. It is the eight-and-a-half-point favorite Indianapolis Colts on the road against the Houston Texans, a total of 45-and-a-half. Houston has allowed 135 rushing yards per game to running backs, second most in the NFL. Meanwhile, Jonathan Taylor is the first player in Colts history with 1,500-plus scrimmage yards and 15-plus touchdowns in the first 12 games of an NFL season. Think of that. Scrimmage yards, touchdowns, all the greats that we've seen at the running back position for the Colts. Edron James. I'll throw in Joseph Adai. Donald Brown. You know the greats that I'm mentioning here. None. Jerome Bettis, Marshall Falk. None could do it like Jonathan Taylor is doing it right now. Uh, we know the formula. We know the plan. Trebuchet to Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. It should work here against Houston Texans, who shockingly have a pretty high defensive grade, according to DVOA. Uh-oh. Hayden's internet is going back and forth. Have we lost Josh? No, we've lost you. <laughs> I think we've lost you, Hayden. Okay. After their bye week, which is going to be coming up here for the Indianapolis Colts, keep this in mind. It's going to be in week 14 for them. The Colts play three straight teams that are currently over 500 in the Patriots, in the Cardinals, in the loss. Vegas Raiders. And I said all of that about the Texans. I'm just going through my notes here quickly. Uh, what stood out to me was Nico Collins getting three targets in the first quarter. Not saying this is like a situation where a rookie is going to explode in the second half, but if you need someone with like a super, super low salary, um, Nico Collins, I think, could have one week here in the final six or seven as we go along as an interesting name. I watched Nico Collins in particular just like a couple hours ago and there was a couple of plays I drew uh, uh, pass interference over yeah, yep. down the field. Yeah, he's definitely got some explosiveness. There was that slant where he took it for a first down, kind of fought through some contact. Um, they're definitely working out a, a little bit of the Kings. I thought that Tyrod Taylor played a pretty decent game in general. He just missed uh, Collins on a deep pass. That could have been a touchdown if Nico Collins decided that he's wanted to run all the way through his route. But yeah, this game should should be an absolute blowout. If you had to take the under on Jonathan Taylor rushing yards, what would the, the line have to be? 167? Like, I mean, be- look, I just mentioned that Houston has allowed 135 rushing yards per game, second most this season. When you look at the pick line for Jonathan Taylor, that's just 105 and a half rushing yards. 
That somebody, is almost a lock to go up by Sunday. Almost yeah, a lock. Some, if you want to take the Jonathan Taylor over right now, the pick'em lobby, underdogfantasy.com, or go to your app store. Just saying. If you're betting the over, you have to bet it now. If you want the under, I'd wait till Sunday. I, I mentioned this. The rush DVF for the Texans, again, is, is horrible. Their pass defense, Hayden, according to DVOA, sixth. Sixth. Is that just because teams are able to run all over them? The offense can't score, so necessarily throwing the football and stopping the clock and all that isn't absolutely necessary this season? The Colts defense is? No, the Texans. Oh, that, I think that's that just wild. Random. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was just going through it this morning. I was like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. They're, they're still playing all that cover two stuff. That was the same approach that they had last right. week. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, which, which I guess, like, when you're so bad, yeah, that all lines up. Okay, we'll close it out here in the 1 o'clock window with the Giants and the Dolphins. Dolphins at home, 4.5-point favorites, total of 45.5. I feel like a little 180 has been going on adrift in the football community, Hayden, about Tua Tungavailoa, about this Dolphins team. We talked about it at times where the Dolphins' defense got better naturally because, you know, their cornerbacks got back and that's where all of their money is being spent in their defense and getting them back is a huge difference, especially when not necessarily you run cover zero every time, but you muddy the line of scrimmage and then ask those guys to win their one-on-one situations. It's much easier to do it, to do it there, but specifically on the dolphins offense side with Tua, bad defenses, average defenses, speed outs, RPOs. It's what he does so well. He and Jalen Waddle have been so good at it all season long. Is this one of those matchups that should work here this weekend? Yes, uh, I think it should. And just going back to put some numbers on the RPOs in the screens, he's averaging 59 yards per game on screens and RPOs. That's by far the most in the league. Second most, it goes from 59 yards down to 40 yards. So that's the big gap. So it's been super dependent on it. But I think that's actually playing to his strengths for sure. And he's been playing with more anticipation recently. He's always been an accurate quarterback. So this is an offense like, yeah, we can knock to a little bit for that. Just like, right, what is the ceiling on stuff? But right now it's structured pretty well for uh, the yards after the catchability from Gesicki and Jalen Waddle. They're going to get the jump ball specialist back with Devontae Parker this week. And two has just been playing well for this exact type of offense. So. The, the numbers have been kind of cruising. He's definitely right in the middle of my quarterback two rankings with the Dolphins projected for uh, just under 23 points this week. Yeah, I think everyone that watches my Sunday morning pick em slip with Animal knows. I think in like three of the last four weeks, I've basically picked the Jalen Waddle over, and that's going really well for us. Um, he is an awesome talent connected to Tua in that Last week, we finally saw like that explosive play down the field. I think it's the first time all season long we've been able to see him like put his head down Ted Ginn style oh, and yeah. just stride out. And hopefully you see more and more and more of that. Yeah, again, how the Giants shut down Jalen Hurts last week is not like the same way it's going to really happen this weekend because Tua just wants to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. And like, they didn't pressure Jalen Hurts really. They just asked him to extend plays and inside of the structure. And that's where things went walkie on the giants end on their offensive side. Daniel Jones is quote in the hands of the doctor to play this weekend. If we don't get him, it's Mike Glennon. And all of this kind of trickles down to Saquon Barkley again, to pull up the pick'em lobby, a total yards pick'em line 
of 73 and a half for Saquon. That's where we've gotten to here in week 13 of the 2021 season. I really hate this matchup for Daniel Jones, assuming he's out there. Uh, Vegas only has the Giants projected for under 18 points this week. And I think that's fair. Like if you just look at what Daniel Jones is bad at, it's under pressure. He's 30th in yards per attempt under pressure, according to PFF this year. And who's number one in blitz rate this year? Of course, it's the Dolphins all the way up at 35%. Uh, We don't know what Sterling Shepard, his availability is going to be. He was DNP. I think he was limited on Thursday. Kadarius, Tony, Kyle Rudolph. They haven't practiced yet this week. So a potentially uh, undermanned Giants offense uh, in a brutal matchup. I can understand why the pick'em lobby is so cruel to right. Saquon Barkley right now. Like We understand why the Dolphins are favored with the expectation of Daniel Jones being the starter. It might even be worse if Mike Lennon is back there. You know, like it doesn't get any better with the backup quarterback. Yeah, and... Again, going back to our my initial point on why the Dolphins' defense has improved. When you just look at it, it's not just like traditional zero blitzes over and over and over again. Again, they'll line a bunch of people up on the line of scrimmage. In fact, even the people who are dropping back into coverage will take a couple steps forward yep. and then drop out. It's just not an immediate drop back as well, which is something the Patriots have done for quite some time. And everyone knows that despite investing so much along the offensive line, the Giants offensive line still like has so many questions in protecting it. And then Daniel has blinders on fumbles, interceptions, all of that. So, yeah, the Dolphins are are, are getting this troubled offense at just the right time. And no Kadarius Tony. like I'm getting sick of this shit. I know. Come on. It's just the worst. Uh, Brian, the Flores, Brian Flores has been coaching his ass off like this last month. Like a lot of these huge wins have been because of what he's doing defensively. And yeah, I love that stuff. When they have like seven guys at the line of scrimmage uh, and then they wait and then they drop late, they're just basically making their offensive lineman commit to a defender. And then when they bail out, then all of a sudden you see always like a guard kind of like looking back left and right. He has nobody. uh, He's not blocking anybody. And then meanwhile, on the outside, you have two guys coming. So I love it. It's so confusing. I think that is going to like always take advantage of the worst youngest quarterbacks in that fits right into Daniel Jones category. We are half point PPR people, but I think over the last three or four games, miles Gaskin is like the number seven overall player running back. I should say in full point PPR Hayden. Uh, What do you think his outcome could be against the giants? And again, we spoke about this, but I always get nervous about the yards, but it's about the touchdown game with him. And he scored two on Sunday. So five point home favorites, the team totals, middle of the pack. He's been uh, the RB six in usage over the last month. Philip Lindsay, all of a sudden is questionable. He has an ankle injury. I'm not sure if he actually practiced on Thursday. I think that would help him out a little bit. Um, like you noted in the fantasy usage show, both of his goal line carries were actually wildcat. That means that he's yep. a priority. So I think that I have him ranked um, as the RB 21. That feels a little low to me. I might move him up a little bit. I think that he's just kind of been, like clearly the number one, the usage has kind of been following him. Random stat to close out this game. 20 of Kenny Galladay's 23 receptions this season have come on first down. Weird. Okay. Four o'clock window. These games get better. So thank you for being here. Hopefully just fast forward through all of that. Because now we're at the moment where some good games happen. The Baltimore Ravens are four and a half point favorites on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Total of 44. Shockingly, 
This is only Lamar Jackson's third career start against the Steelers. 42 points combined in the last three games for Baltimore. A few players will get home, you know, in an environment that's been low scoring for the Ravens. Granted, one of those games certainly had Tyler Huntley playing quarterback. They've defied the models all season long, Hayden. The Ravens have because Lamar Jackson's playmaking ability. And now Vegas expects them to do it on the road against a Pittsburgh defense. What do you expect? Yeah, I kind of expect the same old. Like, depends on what passing Lamar Jackson we get. We had probably his worst game of the year last week. He's been kind of confused at times, and the Steelers could put a blueprint together because it's an in-division matchup, and they've obviously been studying Lamar for a while. So you have to be a little bit concerned with that, but he's averaging over 70 rushing yards per game. So for fantasy purposes, I still have him ranked as my quarterback three. I think on if you look over for... Uh, the wide receivers, it is just Marquise Brown inside the, my top 15. He's been just kind of separating himself. I unfortunately had to move Rashad Bateman down the ranks just because he's been averaging like like seven or eight expected half PPR points and Sammy Watkins has been back. And he only ran around on like 56% of week 12 dropbacks. So it's a little bit of a rotation. I think the studs are Lamar, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, and if you're really desperate, I think that's when Rashad Bateman kind of comes into the mix. Okay. I'm glad you talked about the Ravens because I want to talk about my underdog of the week, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, it is so gross to watch Ben Brothersberger since week one. It's been that way. But exactly how this team is built is going to fly in the face of how poor the Ravens have been defensively. I mean, they rank 31st in explosive pass plays allowed. This is all according to Cleve TA and 32nd in yards after catch per reception. We know Ben Roethlisberger is going to want to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And to me, Hayden, this spread is very much connected to the Steelers just getting blown out and Ben Roethlisberger looking even worse than he typically does out there, like throwing ducks immediately after getting the snap on the left side. But Deontay Johnson Chase Claypool, both players that are very good after the catch, both players that can win their one-on-one matchups. And Mike Tomlin is simply incredible as a home underdog by more than three. So give me the Steelers here. And I really, really like that tandem at wide receiver to do a lot of damage here, even if Najee Harris doesn't do that out of the backfield. I am so right in line with you. I almost picked this one for mine as well. I think the matchup for Big Ben, Deontay, and Chase Claypool is favorable. I think that... Big Ben, when he sees zone coverage and he has to wait in the pocket, that's where things go sideways. When it's just man coverage and just time to go throw the ball and make your players make a play, they can do that. Right now, Deontay Johnson is number one in yards per out run versus man coverage this year. I haven't filtered out like underneath passes and all that stuff, but he's been balling out in that situation. And then if you look at Chase Claypool, who's my wide receiver 24 this week, uh, his yards per out run go from 2.1 against zone coverage all the way to 2.7 against man coverage. And if you just look at like what they're so good at, Chase Claypool can win downfield. So if this is just going to be a one-on-one game, you kind of like the matchup for Big Ben compared to some of the other ones that they've seen. So obviously you're betting on Big Ben, all that stuff. Their, their left guard, Kevin Dotson's on injured reserve all of a sudden. You don't love all that stuff, but the Ravens are still super banged up and Maybe it's just Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool making plays this week. Like if this Deontay Johnson line stays anywhere close to 69 and a half receiving yards on underdog right now ahead of Sunday show, I'm all over this. I mean, look in the last 
three weeks, 95 yards, 101 yards, 83. That's not even on double-digit receptions, right? And again, Marlon Humphrey's an awesome, awesome player. Who knows, though, who's going to match up against if it's Chase Claypool, if it's Deontay Johnson. We don't know that either. But I really, really do expect Deontay to get home, and we know how great he is at making one person miss and then getting down the field. The one that stands out to me, too, that might be a little too high is Najee Harris. The Ravens have allowed just one player to rush for 60-plus yards in a game this season, and that was Dalvin Cook. Um, the Ravens' run defense has been outstanding. Najee can always get home with a bunch of you know sponge volume work in the receiving game. But yeah, I mean, this could totally come back to bite you because as you mentioned, the uh, tying your boat to Ben Roethlisberger is just a sinking ship. But I feel like if they are ever going to, especially at home with some defensive pieces coming back, hopefully in TJ Watt off the COVID list, this is the right time to do it. This is the right time to do it. Calais Campbell is expected to return. Uh, Jimmy Smith expected back to return. So um, lots of moving parts on the Ravens injury report. I think that's going to be something we're going to have to talk about in the preview show. The list was like 15 players deep this week uh, for the Ravens. So that could change a lot of these uh, opinions for the next couple yeah. of Yeah, screw it, Ben. Scampers, we're going to go back to back here. We're going to pick the Steelers as the underdog and Deontay Johnson as the Benji of the week. I was going to save it for someone else, but it only makes sense. It only makes sense to tie the two together. Okay. Here we go. Next game. San Francisco 49ers. Seattle Seahawks, 49ers on the road, three and a half point favorites. Some might say that's it against a dwindling Seahawks offense and even defense. Total of 45 and a half in this game. The big question I want to ask you, and there are actually a few. The 49ers have scored 30 plus points, 30 plus points in four of their last five games. No, Debo Samuel, who arguably should be the offensive player of the year in the NFL with how he's winning at every single level. So without that on the field this week, who gets the bump? So Brandon Ayuk definitely gets a bump and George Kittle gets a bump. If you look at last year, um, I have this in the blueprint. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's expected half PPR points go up like by two points, three points without Debo Samuel in the lineup. And I think that Ayuk's skill set, while it's not exactly the same as Debo Samuel, he's still athletic enough and he did have so much production as a uh rookie and at, at Arizona state where they can scheme up some touches for him uh, behind the line of scrimmage. If they w- were looking for like a, a somewhat of a one for one replacement. So I moved Brandon Ayuk way up. I moved George Kittle way up. Kittle has not been very involved just because they've been blowing teams out. Uh, Vegas expects this game to be somewhat close. And I think yeah. that really is just um, Brandon Ayuk is the one that's going to be benefiting the most. He was more of like a fringe wide receiver three. I think he's like, solidly like in like the wide receiver two mix this week. And correct me if I'm wrong, Eli Mitchell is already getting around 20 to 23 carries per game. So I don't know how many more carries he was going to get. Debo has been hammering his six carries per game. The bigger question is who now wins on the outside? Because as you know, every single Sunday and Tuesday when we do our shows, I talk about how everything is over the middle of the field here for the 49ers. What hasn't been are those two outside edge runs seemingly every single game that Debo Samuel takes the house, creates massive plays off of. So who's going to be able to be able to stretch defenses outwardly, or at least threaten them in, in that department? I'm with you. Even dating back to last year, and you might have just mentioned this, Brennan Aik was getting some of those manufactured touches when Debo Samuel was, was out of the ballgame. And it's, again, what made me so optimistic about him this year because I thought that they'd be able to do that with Debo near the line of near the end zone, I should say. And so 
now with his blocking effort, blocking his ass off, Brendan Ayuk has done in recent weeks. You know that's, you know, gotten Kyle to say, okay, now we're going to unleash Brandon Ayuk here in in week thirteen. I'm with you. He was going to be my Benji if if Deontay Johnson wasn't. Yep, I think that would have been totally fair. Uh, Eli Mitchell, the matchup is beautiful. The Seahawks are 31st against fantasy running backs. Their defensive line has not been able to rush the passer. 29th in adjusted sack rate. So uh, Seahawks defense has been a little bit better um, the last couple weeks, but this Fortnite's ground game right now is like completely on fire. So yeah, should be another uh, solid Eli Mitchell week. And again, we've talked at length about it, but so much of that ground game is same personnel groupings, but different alignments. And so it just forces defenders to think and to have, you know, moments where they freeze and just that like sliver of extra time that it gives the offense with motion or space and gaps then boom, they're they're off to the races because they've trained to do that over and over and over again. So while like the 49ers offense is totally on fire here with San Francisco, the Seahawks offense, Hayden, is a garbage can on fire. I mean, the Seahawks can have converted 32.5% of their third downs this season. 32.5%. The lowest rate in the NFL. So like... Tyler Lockett and the moonshots from Russell Wilson are still getting home. But what's not is DK Metcalf. Like we tell people to like, forget not necessarily play your stars, depending on matchups and how the course of the season goes. Is it fair to leave a phenom like DK Metcalf on your bench? I wouldn't move Lockett or Metcalf to your bench. I think that you can move Russell Wilson to the bench. And I think that the, the big thing for, uh, Russell Wilson right now, it, and we talked about this a couple times, is just the lack of mobility. And I actually went to the stat sheet, and he's averaging a career low 15 rushing yards per game. His 4.5 yards per carry is the second worst of his career. If you look at just how often he's trying to run the ball, it's at the lowest point of his career, too. So I understand why the Seahawks are only projected for 21 points. His his accuracy has been clearly off. You have to assume that's his finger. He's 23rd in completion percentage over expected, 30th in EPA per drop back since coming back from the finger issue. Um, so I think that you should be moving Russell Wilson out of the lineup. I do think that, like, I mean, if you move Metcalf to the bench and he goes for 100 and a touchdown, like, yeah, you, I mean, you have to feel like an idiot. So yeah. don't make yourself feel like an idiot. Um, the good news is if you had Metcalf in the second round, your team was already eliminated from the playoffs. So uh, we don't have to be answering too many of those questions. I love this visual. Uh, in the first four drives, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks had three touchdowns. Okay. Since he's returned from injury, the offense has three touchdowns. That's in three games. I mean, look at this stuff in the bottom right-hand corner since Russell Wilson came back from injury. It is so abysmal. It's disgusting looking. And I just don't know how it's going to get any better. Like, unless... It truly is the finger. Like I'm almost hoping for that because then maybe as this goes along, it does get healthier and that's it, but it just doesn't work. Nothing is working right now. And so like the DK Metcalf line, I know you wrote up these wide receivers in your rankings. Who's the player. If you can find it quickly for DK, who's the player directly above him in rankings and directly in, uh, below him. Cause setting that DK Metcalf line to me might be really, really important for week 13. So, oh. Holy cow. I have Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney, then Metcalf as my 15th, 16th, 17th. Then I have Tyler Lockett right after him. 
the Jalen Waddles, Brandon Ayukes are the people right behind him, Mike Williams. So like, does this feel too high to you? Would you go lower? Yes. Yeah, I'd go lower. I, I'd hedge more than that. Interesting. I just don't know. I mean, have we, we haven't seen a single possibility of DK Metcalf having a ceiling game since Russ has come back in those three games. Yeah, like not but even like, close. But we know. Like you can close your eyes and see how this like completely goes off the rails. Okay. All right. Interesting. I'm glad you set the line. I'll ask you maybe that question again when we get to Sunday. Yeah, I'm having like ranked 45th after I do more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's close out the uh the four o'clock window games with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Los Angeles Rams, a total of 48 in this game. We know the Rams are 12 and a half point favorites here. Three straight losses for the Rams and their offense. Nothing like the Jags game and the Jaguars to give you a bounce back spot, even if their defense has been a little feisty over the last few weeks. So with that in mind, we haven't seen a huge, you know, Daryl Henderson game. We've seen Odell get downfield. We've seen, you know, Van Jefferson get down the field. Who piques your interest the most here? the Rams because just as a seventh ranked quarterback for you, there's some room to replace some of the names above him when it comes down to Sunday after all these games are over. So I looked at consensus rankings and I'm a little higher on Stafford than the market. But like, I mean, these fantasy rankings, people like bet on bet against the Rams. Then like, if you're going to rank him as like your quarterback 12 and the Rams are projected for the second most points of the week, then what are you doing with yourselves? Go over to the, uh, find a book and go put some money on. So I know I'm just going to keep running with that. They're first in neutral pace, second in neutral pass rate. Like I get it. They haven't been as good, but the Jaguars stink and the Rams we know could ball right. out in the betting markets, have them projected to score 30, 30 points. So everybody yeah. piques my interest. It, it, it's a great quarterback week as I'm finding out when we're going through all of these, because so many of them have great matchups. I'm with you like anywhere lower than this with the matchups that we get here, the Rams have too many superstars for them to not be more successful. And this is still a period of time before we get to the playoffs where like teams can still figure out who they are and what they do best. And like early on the season, we got that with this Rams team. I was really excited for it. Robert Woods goes down and, you know, more people are starting to lean into like the second of the half seasons for Sean McVay and yada, yada, yada. Maybe I'm not smart enough to, to not realize that that is a thing. Um, I think they're going to turn it around. I do. And again, there's no better opportunity to do that than here. So like if you want to pivot off of Tom Brady, if he's too expensive, keep going down and down the list for some of the names that we talked about. Yes, a a Matthew Stafford starting point for your lineups this weekend could be really intriguing. The other person I have ranked well above everybody else is Daryl Henderson. And it's been a minute since he's been pretty effective. But last game, 81% of the snaps, 14 expected half PPR points. Um, if any of this narrative stuff that the Rams are soft co- continues to play out, maybe one of these games, Daryl Henderson gets 20 carries. So uh, 81 snaps projected for 30 points. I don't know how you can rank Daryl Henderson uh, outside of like the top 10. We have to talk about the Jaguars just in fairness to every team across the league. Uh, James Did Robinson we- was not at practice on Thursday. Uh, we know LaVisca should not played more in the slot. Still did not have the most receiving yards on that team. Anything you want to say about any of these names? No, nope. not really. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had one touchdown in November. Pretty, pretty tough to do. So I, I really think that this game could totally snowball like out of reach for Jaguars. 
Like, let's say the Rams do go out there early on, have the right codes, put up 10 points or whatever, and the Jaguars at the start of the second half, down by 10 or 14. We know Trevor wants to play hero ball in those situations and doesn't care that he's going to throw the ball into coverage. And then you also get, you know, pressure created by Aaron Donald and, and company. This could be a really, really long day for the Jaguars. I think. Yep. But the 12 and, and a half obviously indicates that too. LaVisca Chenault, I moved him up the rankings because his usage is better. He's playing in the spot. He's supposed to play. And then like you look, you're like, oh, Jalen Ramsey's still playing in this in the slot. So that's not going to be fun for him, too. So, like, yeah. I don't know how they're going to move the ball. Yep. Primetime games. Let's do those. First up, Sunday night football. Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites here coming out of their bye week. A total of 47 and a half. I always think it's cheating a little bit when teams have their bye week during Thanksgiving, while the rest of the people, you know, have their holiday disrupted. Uh, there is no defense in the NFL. Vic Fangio, then Brandon Staley, then Sean Desai, that really wants you to run on them more than what Denver puts out there each and every week. The feeling around the Chiefs' offense and defense, which we'll get into in a moment, is so much more optimistic and positive. But again, Hayden, this is like the guru of too high, too shell safety stuff. So if we believe that the Chiefs will lean into the weaknesses of the defense or what they're giving them to, wouldn't that lead us into a Clyde Edwards-Alaire week? I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire's ranked as the RB14, which is higher than most people. I think that he's could not have all of the passing down work because that's where like Daryl Daryl Williams was kind of playing. But if you just look, I mean, they're projected for the third most points the Chiefs are. Um, and his last three games, CH 17.9, 18.4, and 14.6 half PPR points. And the leading uh, running back for the Chiefs this year is, is averaging uh, 13.4 half PPR points. So I don't know. I think he's going to play a lot. And I think that if what you're saying is true, which it is true, I think that they he can get the ball 15 times, maybe get a goal line touch, two targets, and all of a sudden you're there. So I want to be betting on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think that he brings a little bit, a little bit of the balance that I'm sure the Chiefs were were hoping to get in the middle part of that season. Anything you want to say about the Broncos? Uh, they're injured. Melvin Gordon is like 50-50 to play right now, yep. which is significant because we've loved both of these running backs all year in terms of production that they've given, especially Melvin Gordon in terms of where he's hit on value. But without him, that means Javante Williams would have an 80% workload rather than basically down the middle like we've seen all season for 50-50. And then that also matches up with the Chiefs defense getting a little bit better each and every week. I was surprised that the Broncos were only projected to score uh, fewer than 19 points this week. That's one of the lowest in the entire week. And they're supposed to get Garrett Bowles back, their left tackle. Bobby Massey, the right tackle, is expected to come back. Teddy, like for what, however he's pulling this off, he's seventh in EPA for drop back, second yeah. in completion percentage over expected. Their skill group is healthy. Javante Williams can play all three downs, even if Melvin Gordon is out. So I don't know. I don't know why they're projected for this few of points. I like the over in this game in general. And I think that Javante Williams, like, if Melvin Gordon's out, like the excitement level for the Twitter and the dynasty folks is going to be unfrickin' real. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how he does. I think that he can play all three downs. And I think that it's going to be a big uh, Javante Williams week um, just because 
this offense is like definitely geared towards just grinding it out. And Javante yep. Williams will obviously be the focal point of that. Yeah. I, I like the call in the over. I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, I'm going to put you in a difficult spot, but we know that the chiefs defense at times this year has been diced up. If you were going to rank and we know again, that despite early season stuff, it's trended towards like neither Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy being factors on an every week basis. If you had to start one, like if you're going to bring someone back with a chief stack on Sunday night, who would it be on the Broncos end other than Javante Williams? I mean, it'd have to be Jerry Judy, but I mean, my notes on Jerry Judy is Denver is 29th in neutral pace, 24th in neutral pass rate, 25th in projected points. Uh, Kansas City is eighth against fantasy receivers, and Jerry Judy's only the wide receiver 31 in fantasy usage over last month. And when I went back to watch this Broncos game, they are basically only using three wide receiver sets. And we going back to the off season, we know that it's hard to be efficient in three wide receiver sets, especially when the team clearly likes Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. So um, he's been the wide receiver 31 in usage with Cortland Sutton, not getting the ball at all. So it's a situation where I don't have any of them ranked inside the top 30, but if you had to, you just have to go Jerry Judy because why not? Yeah, Shirley, good question. Just on film analysis of Javante Williams. We talked about this a lot early on when even by the time like week four rolled around, everyone just wanted to hand Javante Williams a full backfield work. Um, even dating back to his time at UNC, vision was always something like when going in stride and in rhythm, he wasn't hitting like the preferred hole all the time for Javante Williams. But he is unreal in terms of force missed tackles and yards after contact. Like rates in college that broke metrics, rates in the NFL so far that are up there with the Jonathan Taylors and the Nick Chubbs of the world. No one does that. And Javante Williams is already there. So at times we've seen in recent weeks, the Broncos have been super smart and gotten him to the edge, either in receptions or edge runs. And that allows him, I mean, anytime you get a defensive back one-on-one against a running back, you always want to force corners to tackle. And especially against, you know, one of the best tackle breakers in the NFL already during his rookie season in Javante Williams. And then last week, his touchdown run was a third and 10 draw or third and seven draw near the goal line. Nobody was around. Yeah. When it was four defensive linemen and a linebacker and there was no one else in the middle of the field. So it seized part and he ran and in a straight line. I love Javante Williams. I think there's some clear room to develop, but just in terms of like raw physical athleticism and tools, he is the type that can create just a lot of yards on his own. He actually has to work on the other part, which is picking up the yards that are blocked for him all the time. Yeah, I think that's pr- perfectly well said. His ceiling's so high because he does all of the hard stuff already, like the stuff that you can't teach. He's exceptional at that. And he just needs more reps to kind of figure the rest of it out. The Broncos have been using him pretty, pretty smartly, in my opinion, getting him not rotating um, like different roles, like rotating kind of drives so he can play on any down. So when he's ready, when he gets called for, he's going to be completely ready to go. They were using him. They kept giving him pitches to the outside just to let his athleticism go. But over the last couple of weeks, I, I have noticed he has been getting a little bit better between the tackles as well. So I think that it's re- he's ready for liftoff. And he's only going to get better. He's like very clear. It's kind of like the Antonio Gibson thing. Like you see it, but you know, there's like so much more room so, to, to get better. Here's my question. We've got a little time. 2022. You mentioned Antonio Gibson at points. He was going in the middle of the second round towards the end of the draft season. It was the later parts of the second round. I know 
it's up in the air of what's going to happen to Melvin Gordon after this season. Is that where you think Javante Williams is going to end up here in fantasy draft setting into 2022? Yes, and I think he's actually going to hit, unlike Antonio Gibson has for the most part. I think I think uh, he's just way better than Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio Gibson is like super raw, and we haven't really seen him catch passes out of the backfield too often. And I think that Javante Williams can do that. I think that he was a, a slightly better prospect coming out, and I think that this offense can get better. I, I think Melvin Gordon's going to be out for sure, and they've just been grooming him. And I think that he's going to be a, a hit in the second round next year. I'm glad you mentioned Antonio Gibson because I realized we didn't even talk about the game. <laughs> I there you skipped go. over the Washington football team and the Las Vegas Raiders. Total of 49 and a half, two and a half point favorites here. The Raiders are a um, few notes on that. I mean, that stands out to me for a couple of reasons. One, with how Washington has played. They've changed their identity where they rely so much on Antonio Gibson now. 26, yep. 19, 35 carry or touches or whatever it is despite, again, not having their best five offensive linemen out there. And so that is the type of game plan that can travel. And then you bring up, you know, the two or three plays per game that hopefully Taylor Heineke makes. And those are the big difference makers to, to Terry McLaurin. And now Curtis Samuel's getting back in there and Logan Thomas. And then you have the defense that, despite losing their top two edge rushers, is getting better. Their third down conversions are getting much better. So I say all of that, because, I, again, I think all of those good points of Washington the last few weeks travel. Vegas now, Derek Carr playing very well, but Darren Waller is going to be out of this game. And then unless Washington shows like single high, that's what, you know, Derek Carr was taking advantage of against the Dallas Cowboys, where there's pass interference penalties and deep shots to, to Deshaun Jackson. So, like, maybe without both of those pieces – I think it's going to be a little more difficult than than Vegas is considering here for 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 Las Vegas to have a success. So I think that the Raiders should be favored over Washington. Uh, I was surprised that this team total was so high. Um, if you just look with uh, Darren Waller off the field, the Raiders are averaging points one four fewer EPA per play, and also then you have obviously the downgrade from Henry Ruggs to Deshaun Jackson. So the Raiders are still projected for the ninth most points. Wow. Uh, I don't really believe in the Washington's defense all of a sudden just being better. Like you don't you lose your two best players and like get miraculously better in my opinion. Um, and then on the other side of the ball with Washington, another reason why I like the under is uh, their backup fill in center. He's hasn't practiced their right guard. He hasn't practiced Sam Cosme, the right tackle. He still hasn't practiced yet. And then JD McKissick hasn't practiced yet. So I don't know. I just like kind of the under in this game in general. I think that Josh Jacobs is a starter. Um, I think Terry McLaurin's a starter. Antonio Gibson's climbed up way, way higher. And then Hunter Renfro's a starter. And then like Foster Moreau, Logan Thomas, these guys are like fringe fringe players. And your team is most likely effed if you have to start those guys. And Jaden McKissick hasn't been practicing this week with concussion-like symptoms. I know so many people are immediately going to put the eggs in the basket like they did during the offseason of that means Antonio Gibson's going to get all of that you know, NASCAR work and uh, receiving work as well. It might happen. It might not. I don't think we really know the answer. I would lean more towards him than I would, I don't know, Jarrett Patterson doing that. But it also wouldn't shock me at all. And this is a random thought that just popped in my head. If... Scott Turner gets Curtis Samuel out there in the backfield since he's back on the field now. At running back touches as like the NASCAR running back. So we'll see. Maybe that's we a good hope. call. Yeah, if he can play more than eight snaps. Well, 
slowly working him back for the playoff push here. Hayden. Okay. We'll close out with Monday Night Football. Thanks for reminding me about that game. And this is old school football. New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills, a small total of 43 and a half with the Bills two and a half point favorites here. I mentioned old school because it's a slobber knocker. Number one and number two defenses according to DVOA and pass defenses. But the Bills have lost their number one corner in Trey White. The Bills offense is favored, so let's start there. Uh, When I sit back and try to picture this game, Hayden, I keep thinking it's going to come down to Josh Allen and his like third down or special conversions. Um, We know Bill Belichick has done a pretty good job against him in their history. This is a sound defense, sound pass rushing lanes, defensive backs in the right position. So will Josh Allen have that magic in those moments to lift his team in those situations that almost no one else in the league can do. And I don't think that that is totally predictable because at times this year we've seen it, the answer be yes. And at times the season it's been no. What do you think? Well, Vegas thinks that they're only going to score 23 and a quarter points, which is, I mean, I haven't looked this up. That's gotta be the lowest they've been projected to score in a really long time. And uh, Josh Allen absolutely lit up and particularly Steph Diggs last time they played. But that Patriots defense did not have the manpower that this Patriots defense has. So um, it's been fine. I think the Bills will be totally fine here. I think that uh, they have the man beaters to to beat the Patriots if they went that way. Um, So I still have Josh Allen as my quarterback six kind of betting against uh, the betting markets a little bit. And I think that this offense is still going to go through him and Steph Diggs, um, even if uh, Belichick tries to limit Steph Diggs. Most importantly, I just think it's easier said than done. And I think that Josh Allen's kind of earned the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Yeah. And on the Patriots end, you mentioned it. Some of these players are elevating their game as the season goes along. Like Christian Barmore is doing that. Matthew Judon remains one of the best defensive yep. signings in the league. Ju- Juwan Bentley is like an absolute thumper, but we know the bills like don't want to run the ball at all. So it's all, again, going to be on Josh Allen's shoulders. I know that's like not complicated analysis, but again, those pedal to the floor moments here, Hayden, like I don't know if they can even be predicted based on success rate because it's not something that can be found like of, okay, if he reacts in this way based on this defense, so on and so forth, it's just like in that moment, does the athleticism and the brain and everything take over and the arm and the accuracy? And again, I think it all comes down to that. And to be honest with you, when all that's considered, I I, I favor Bill Belichick and, and the pieces, as you've alluded to, that in the past few years when they have slowed down Josh Allen in comparison to other teams, they even had this much good talent on that side of the ball. Yeah, and it's super interesting because teams facing the Patriots have run the ball in neutral situations at the second highest rate, and we know the the, the Bills are not going to do that at all. So no. this is definitely a strength versus strength matchup. So um, I understand why it, they're only projected for 23 points. I still don't think that you can – you're still playing Josh Allen and all, all that stuff. I think uh, if we have the Dawson Knox, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders conversation – I really don't have a strong lean. I think that Belichick would be happy if any of those players were getting the rock uh, too much. Um, I'm assuming that they're going to play a lot of man defense and try to bracket coverage Steph Diggs and let those other guys beat him. But 
Um, those three kind of just been rotating weeks. I guess Dawson Knox is the best asset of the of the three, but um, the Bills will need one of those three players to come through uh, to get a win here. And a change for the Bills in recent weeks too. Spencer Brown comes back at right tackle, which is really big for them to solidify that front five. The Patriots defense, as we just talked about, has only allowed 10 points per game in the month of November. Their offense is putting up 30 plus points. Hayden, uh, it's exactly who they want to be. We've talked about it so much that the responsibilities that they put on Mac Jones's shoulders early in the season and those experiences that he got in those moments now allows them to be multiple if they want to. Like at their foundation, they are always going to now be this running team with splitting drives between Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, a fantastic offensive line. And it's a big deal. Starlo Tule is going to be in there. I think right now he's been sidelined with a bit of a non-COVID illness after coming off the COVID list. So that's something to monitor. But also with those trick plays, when he does get blitz, there's a free rusher. Mac Jones is just able to be super accurate and be reliable in other situations that other rookie quarterbacks cannot. And he's very, very quick processor. And that entire mixture is why this offense is now hitting its stride in weeks 10, 11, 12, and now in 13. How big of a loss do you think Tredavious White is? I think they asked him to do a lot. I think it's going to be a pretty big deal. I wouldn't be surprised. The, the Bills have had a pretty soft schedule to start. I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if their defense takes a little bit of a hit. I think that's like a huge piece of what they're able to do. I know they're better up front. They're still a good good unit, but right. Tredavious White is just such a good player. He is. Um, this isn't though like they're facing Justin Jefferson or Devonte Adams or, or something like that. Like one isolated receiver that can just dominate games, you know, we got Kendrick like, Bourne, <laughs> Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, like going on and on and on this, to me, this is more like a coordinator offense versus like a skilled talent offense. And, uh, I'm not saying like it's not going to be a loss. It absolutely is because, in fact, I think a lot of people from the outside have been clamoring for this team to upgrade their number two cornerback from like Levi Wallace, and they've had Josh Norman in there in recent yeah. years, so on and so forth. And I think Trey White is probably the best individual talent on that team. Ed Oliver is making some real plays this year. They've obviously had, obviously had some rookies and some second-year players rush the passer. Edmonds and Milano at linebacker, so on and so forth. But, yeah, at a pivotal key position, a pillar position in building a roster, Trey White is you know one of the top 10 cornerbacks in the league probably. All right, we're going to play a game. If you had to start a player for from the Patriots in fantasy this week, any position, whatever, what, what are you going to? Damian Harris? Is it Jacoby Myers? Are you throwing Hunter Henry into your tight end spot? I mean, it's an offense where your team's most likely effed if you're starting any of them. I think I would go – uh, Jacoby Myers, I'd guess. That's where I would be leaning to. Um, we have gotten a little bit away from the early season Mac Jones stuff where it was catch throw. Yep. And it feels like a little bit now, and maybe you can make one of those fancy charts that has the two colors, but like since week, whatever you want to make it, arbitrary line, that Mac Jones's intended air yards per attempt is a bit deeper, I think now, than it was previously. Um, and so because of that, I think we're seeing intermediate targets for Jacoby Myers and he's creating separation. And a lot of times it's like him sitting in, in soft areas or catching low passes. And then, then he's getting hit. Just not a lot of contact. And I don't think Jacoby Myers is like an unreal talent, but at least he's out there almost all the time. 
and he's absolutely a reliable player. He just hasn't scored a bunch of touchdowns, so maybe regresses here in this one game, Hayden. So I'm with you. I, I would pick Jacoby Myers as my one player if I had to pick one. Who does this better during your monologue? Who does this better than me? I whip up our studio. I go before and after and look at where Mac Jones is throwing this better. Who's a better co-host than this? You just block things up and I can go. This well, is that was me after buying time from you. So I, don't don't say that this was an individual effort from you. It took me, you know, coming up with words out of my mouth to allow you, you know, the 30, 45 seconds. That was excruciating time to buy you to to filter and to banter. And to get this stuff. So what week is this? Week six. This is just what I had. I did this exact same thing with Russell Wilson and uh, Derek Carr. It's in the blueprint. But so it's yeah, just a little bit deeper. It's not, it's, not, it's not that much deeper. Yeah. But I'll look and maybe it's a little bit deeper after week five. Okay. All right. That was a good one. Good way to end the show. You act like those take you so much time. You just did it in 30 seconds. Now I know the truth. Yeah. Well, it only took me three three years to learn how to code this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> You get paid uh, for how much it's worth, not how long it takes you. Please. Everyone, really, really, really appreciate you being here. Um, all of you in the podcast feed, thanks for sticking with us. Um, if you ever want to check out the video program, we pull up plays, we pull up news, we pull up all the good stuff. Hayden's charts, they takes 45 seconds to do. Go and subscribe to the Underdog Fantasy YouTube channel. We'll be back here on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, Animals Taking Your Calls. I'll be back on at 11. The Aston Villa game starts at 11.30. So Hayden will jump on with me there and I'll get out of here a little bit early as well. And we'll answer and go through all the latest news, help you with your start sets, preview some late games as well. And then we're back Sunday night, Tuesday, and back here on Thursday. All of your subscriptions to this channel are free. All of you using promo code The Show for trying out Underdog for the first time. Do it. We appreciate you doing that as well and the reviews. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.